Hello and welcome back to Tani Talks Parsha, the TTP. This year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep, trying to keep it at audio bursts, audio tidbits, audio sound bites, audio thoughts, keeping it 5, 10, 15 minutes, cutting down from how long it used to so that we could keep it more succinct and more in the way of just giving a few things for the day. So we've reached Matos and Masse, and we're going to move over to the, the last Sefer. Basically, we're going to move over to the Devarim, and we're going to round it off. After so, after doing so, we're going to move over to Moshe's end of his life, basically the last 36 days of his life or so, where he gives the speech, and he implores the people, and he talks to them, and recounting Jewish history, and going on to talk to the people, bless the people, and give the song of history before it turns over to Yehoshua in the in the in the Tanakh, of course. So we're here in Matos Masse before we move over to Devarim, and of course, one of the main gists of the parshas are the journeys, and they recount the different journeys that Hashem gave to the people. And it's interesting to note that when you count up all the journeys. There aren't 40 journeys. There are less than that. I think they, the Rashi points out maybe, or one of the commentators points out that maybe there are 18 or 28 journeys or so. But there were 40 years in the desert, meaning Hashem did it in such a way of their journeys that He didn't make them go and move every single year or every single month, but He let them settle and put down roots, keviyachol, in their tents in the desert for times at a time. So one place could have been two years, one place could have been a few years, one place could have been a few months. But he didn't make them journey every single year, didn't make them journey every single day, obviously, not even every single month, or not even twice a year. Sometimes it was less than that. Because Hashem didn't want them to have to uproot themselves every single day, because it's about putting down roots. Our lives, our journeys, the journeys of life really are that we're supposed to get things accomplished, we're supposed to get things done, we're supposed to put down roots. The question is, what are our journeys? What are the journeys? We think about the journeys of life. A person journeys through his life. What does he learn? What does she learn? What does he find out about life? And what kind of roots does he put down? If a person doesn't think to ever get married, doesn't want to ever get married, Lovelina, we should never think such ways, doesn't care to get married, God forbid, doesn't care to have children or care to put down real roots, what are they really accomplishing in this world? What are they leaving as a legacy? What are they leaving for future generations? Are there going to be any future generations? My wife and I talk about oftentimes how, you know, unfortunately in secular society, secular culture, non-Jewish society, unfortunately it's not always a given that people want to get married and have children. And I find that sad because human nature is that we need to nourish, we need to nurture, we need to care for something. So someone who's a quote-unquote spinster, they call, which sounds nice but really is not such a good connotation, and they don't want to get married or they're not married or maybe they're not actively looking, they don't have a spouse, they don't have kids, what do they do? They have nine cats or they have a hundred plants. Why is that? Isn't it interesting that they need to nurture, they need to care for something? So if they don't care or nurture for a human being, the nurturing, the caring has to go somewhere because it is human nature, Hashem put it in us, to have the need to care for something. But it should be directed, sublimated to the proper thing to care for, 
not not that it's bad for to have plants or animals, but that's not the best usage as per Hashem's will in the Torah of what to do with your caring nature. That's your journey of life. After 120, they're going to say you took care of 100 plants. You took care of nine cats. That's what you did in this world besides for your job and its accomplishments. That's your legacy. That's the progeny, quote unquote. You see all these couples that say that at least they're a couple. At least they, 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 there's a man and a woman. Not all, not always do they even get married, which is crazy. But they won't. They don't want kids. They don't want kids because of X or Y or Z. But they have the need to nurture. So what do they do instead? They get a dog. They get a cat. And it's fine and dandy in general to have pets. But to the exclusion of children, that's crazy. To the exclusion of the greatest gift on earth after being given a spouse, we should all be zocha. If someone doesn't have one, they should find their spouse speedily bekarov. And if they don't have children, you should be zocha speedily bekarov to have children. Hashem should bless you with such wonderful things. It's such a wonderful gift. And to spurn that gift, to spurn that ability, to choose not to is such a sad thing. I'm working now in a summer school and I can't figure out if one of the workers has kids or not. She says she has a husband. They've been married for many years, but I never heard them mention children. I've never heard them mention or talk about children, this person. And it's curious. And, you know, this year, my wife and I, we got very sensitive to, to those around us. And now I think, I don't know if they ever were blessed with children or maybe they never were given children. We don't know if people tried or whatnot. But in general, we think about what the journey of life in it what life is and when people get pets and and dogs and cats and goldfish and plants instead of having children that's a really sad thing that's a sad journey the only thing people regret at the end of life is is truly concrete things no one ever said i wish i had more dogs i wish i had more pets i wish i had more money i wish i had more houses no one talks like that no one says that after 120 years i wish I had children. Lo and we should ever have to say such a thing. I wish I got married. I wish I had a spouse. Lo and we should never have to say such a thing. I wish I had more children. Very common things that people say at the end of their life. I wish I spent more time with my children that Hashem blessed me with. No one says such superficial things as I wish I had a dog or a cat or a house. Because when you think about the journey of life, what is... The journey of life. These are the travels. These are the journeys of the B'nai Yisrael. What is your journey? What is your mission in life? What are you supposed to do in this world? I think about how wonderful it is that Hashem blessed us with our oldest and the middle and the youngest and we should be zochet to have more. And, and in general, when, when Hashem gives you such a gift, what do you do with the gift? What can you relate to the gift? It gives me a perspective when working with kids and their families. gives me a perspective when seeing other parents. I know what you're going through. I can give you tips how to get through the day. My whole idea on OT, the OT show, Tani Talks OT, we call it now, is to be able to find functional means to find tips and tools and helpful advice for life coming from a parent of three very small kids. What do we do in our days to get through the day? How can I help you if you're a parent with young kids? I can't relate to someone that only has a dog and a cat. I can't relate to a single person so much anymore, unfortunately. Baruch Hashem. But unfortunately for them, I can't relate if they're at a different spot in life. That's why it's so hard for me to talk to people that are not on the same wavelength. Someone that's split from his wife, if he has kids, at least we can connect about the kids. Someone that's single, I really can't connect to someone. It's just hard for me. 
this ability of this stage of life, it's, I'm able to, to, to go about and talk about that journey. The journey of life, when we think about our journey of life, what did Hashem give us? What did Hashem put us? What happened on our journey? Sometimes the journeys are smooth sailing. When the Jews were coming to, to Harsinai, that was a wonderful smooth sailing. In some aspects, they had to get ready. They were excited. It was an exciting journey for them. And they got the Torah. Just 40 days later, when there was the Egel Azov, that was a terrible journey, a very rocky journey, a very rocky sailing of the rocky, stormy seas. That wasn't such a good journey. When the Jewish people come to Israel and, and under Yehoshua, for seven years they fight the enemies, and for seven years they settle the land. That's a beautiful journey where they're settling the land. Then, when it comes to the period of the Shoftim, and there's all the times the Bnei Israel rebel and do idol worship, and then Hashem has to save them this save them this time, and then has to send them punishment that time, and then has to save them again. The whole Shoftim, the whole book of Shoftim, if you ever read through it, is really tragic, really sad. Something happens, a calamity, the Jews cry out. Hashem says the Shofet, who sends, who saves them. There's peace for a little bit of time, and then again, another thing happens, the Jews rebel again, or they don't listen, or, or this or that, and then Hashem says another nation. It's like a really downward spiral. Until we get to Shmuel Aleph, and we see Shmuel, and then finally the, the Jews want a king, although it's not really the best thing. Hashem is really the king. They didn't ask for it in the right way. You know, asking to be like the other nations is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be an Orla game. We're supposed to be a Mamlachat Khan and Begay Kadosh. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be chosen to help the world, to be the model that people look to. We're not supposed to be like everyone else just to get a king to have a king. But even so, you think about the times of David where he was able to make the Jewish nation into a mighty warrior nation, a nation of valor. And then you think about Shlomo times, where it was a peaceful, tranquil times for a long time until the kingdom was split under, uh, under his son. But you think about the journeys of life, you look in the Tanakh and you think about the, the journeys that the patriarchs had. Avram didn't have it so any. He had some rough journeys, some tough journeys, some not smooth sailing all the time. The, the Asara Nisyonos, that Avram had been in Birkevus talks about the Asar Nesionus Nase La Avram Avinu, whatever the words are. I don't remember the wordage. But he didn't have it so easy always. And Avram's actually one of my role models. I mean, everyone in Jewish history is a role model, but certain ones call out to me more than others. Avraham calls out to me, Eliyahu, Hanavi for some reason calls out to me. They don't have such smooth sailings. Eliyahu Hanavi himself. You know, he, he fights righteously, zealous for Hashem, and uh, it doesn't always go go so well, and Hashem has to take him in a whirlwind of fire, and he comes to the seders and the bris milah, we talk about it in a different year, because Hashem wants him to see that the Jewish people are continuing. David and Melech had some smooth sailings, but some really rough sailings. He had some journeys of life that were not so easy. You know, his son Abshalom rebelled, and his son Adoniyahu rebelled at the end of his life, he had the incidents with Bathsheba, he had Amnon and Tamar, a lot of tough stuff. He had a very complicated relationship with his father-in-law, Shaul, who wanted to kill him. Very difficult journeys of life, but he is seen as a prototype of a wonderful king who was uh, very involved with the Sanhedrin and, and was very involved with the, with the Torah and, of course, Tehillim. People have to think about their journeys of life. The The lesson could be when we think about Matos Masi, especially Masi, Ela Masi Ben Yisrael, what are our journeys? What are we doing to be involved in the journeys? What kind of journeys are we having? Sometimes it's good journeys. Sometimes we have wonderful journeys. Thank God Hashem gave me a wonderful, wonderful wife and wonderful children. Thank God 
He sent me through elementary and high school and, and college and Israel for two wonderful, blessed years. Those were really nice journeys until my brother, Lovell Shalom, passed away. That was a terrible journey. And when my dad passed when I was a kid, also a terrible journey. So sometimes there could be rocky journeys, stormy journeys, not such smooth sailing, but sometimes they're really good journeys. Then I think about my years in YU were wonderful years. Years in Hask in the summer were wonderful years. And in and, and LIU graduate school, those were very interesting. And of course, my years with my wife have been wonderful, wonderful years and with my children. But it's not always smooth sailing. Sometimes there's difficult things. Sometimes there are minor things. Sometimes there are nacionas. When our, our sump pump broke a, a few years ago, that was not a good journey. We had to have someone to come and fix it. And uh, sometimes we have, uh, we have dif- differences with neighbors or sometimes we have differences with people around us. Sometimes we don't get along with people at work. That's not always a smooth journey. The question is, what do we do with our journey of life? We only get 120 years. We should be Zilcha for 120 years. What are we going to do with those years? What kind of a journey are we going to have? What is going to be our journey through life? The journeys of life. We want it to be a good journey. We want it to be a journey full of Torah, full of Chesed, full of being involved in mitzvahs. You have to grab every mitzvah you can. You have to latch on to every Chesed you can. We want it to be a good journey of life. For the sake of the love of the journeys of life, think about what you use your time on, what you utilize your time on. And I'm saying, not those times when you, when you fall into procrastination and you, you end up reading news websites for hours. I'm talking about on a regular day, when you choose to, to use your time, and not because of this or the, because of that, or a friend called you and, and you lost track of time for hours. Not those things, but on a regular daily basis, what do you do with your hours? I know I work for the city. My, my hours are usually 8 to 3. Then I come home and at 4 o'clock I got to make the dinner and at 5 o'clock we eat the dinner. And then on bath nights we do the baths and then I finally can sit and my wife and I can hang out. And then I take care of different things and I try to be involved with the recordings and my guitar and and the, the side project of the book which may or may not go forth. But different things we do on our own journeys of life. How much do we help the people around us? Do we cook for the people around us? Do we send food for the people around us? Do we give to the people around us? Are we generous? Are we involved in tzedakah with our time and with our money? What is our journey of life going to be? Are you a good spouse? Are you a helpful spouse? I myself personally try to help out as much as I can around the home, doing as much as I can so my wife doesn't have to. Around the outside of the house, I say that's my limit. I have a gardener. We used to have a cleaning lady pre-COVID twice a month to help out, but now falls under the domain anyway. But what do we do to be a good spouse and how do we be a good dad, a good mom? What can we be to be a good parent and to realize it's such a blessing, such a gift to make time for our kids and not to be on the phone when they're looking at us and talking to us and how can we take care of different things for them? Even a tiny small example, a tiny small level, being able to go pick them up is really a wonderful thing. It's really a blessing to work such hours for the city that I could be home by 4 o'clock and so that I could see my son come home from camp in the summer we send him for the first year. What a wonderful thing. He's having a wonderful time. Should continue the whole time. And my other son from his preschool camp, I could go pick him up myself. It's really nice. And it's not always something that you could take for granted. Some people have very long hours. They don't see their kids. They don't even see their kids to bed. And I feel like that's so sad. Yeah, they might make more money for, than me. But at the end of the day, that's not what's important. I say money comes and goes. But happiness, the memories, taking care of your spouse and kids, that's what really matters. That's what really stays. I could have thousands of thousands of credit card debt, but it won't change my mind to change my job, to change my hours, because that's 
what's important. Nobody will ever say, I wish I made more money after 120 years. They will say, I wish I spent more time with my kids. I wish I was there to put my kids to bed. And I, I really feel bad for lawyers and accountants, especially during busy season. They're out of the house from 8 to 8, 8 to 9, 8 to 10. That's a terrible, miserable existence in terms of hours. Yeah, they might make a ton of money, but at what cost? At what cost? Think about the journeys of life. What do you do with your time? What do you do with your energy? What do you do with your capabilities, with your talents? After 120 years of your journey of life, are you going to look back and say, yes, I made a good impact on the world, the name I will leave, the legacy I will leave, children I will leave, which is not for granted and secular. They don't even, even if they choose to have children, you think about how many children they have, they don't even have so many. You know, three children for non-Jews is a huge family. Three children for a Jewish Orthodox family is not such a big family. It's kind of a small family. And in secular society, one kid is like, okay, one kid, that's it. We fulfilled our having a child. We're like parents now. I feel like sometimes in secular society, that's playing house. And sometimes they have two. Wow, wow. Three? Oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. You have three? In the Jewish world, we should be Zochem. All families, but three, four, five, six, you know? That's, that's, a, that's a legacy you really leave behind. That's the choices that really be, be behind. What is going to be your journey of life? Hashem gives you the journey. We should all be Zohar to live in Israel. And to mean Israel, we see these virtual tours, and it's the land that's bleeding with Tanakh. It's the heartbeat of Tanakh, the heartbeat of the Bible, of the Torah, lives and breathes in Israel. We should be Zohar to live there. My wife and children and I, whenever Hashem allows us, and hopefully we could have family join us and help us and we could figure out the different aspects that are hard to finagle but you think about where the journey of life is going to be where we started out in, in one of the bars of the city and then we came to long island and hopefully one day we'll make it to israel the different journeys and we think about where hashem led me throughout my elementary and high school and my different experiences and in college and in grad school and and, and what i do for a living as an occupational therapist for the city and, and these different side projects I'm involved. My journey is ever evolving. I'm only in my young 30s, but hopefully living on Meva Esmashana with my wife and kids and uh, family and friends. But we think about the journeys of life. Where are our journeys going? We look at Maaseh. Hashem gave X amount of journeys to prove that sometimes we play, stay somewhere for a long time. Sometimes we stay places for a short time. Hashem always puts us where we need to be. Hashkach process for a certain reason at a certain time. We're there to learn something. We're there to find something. Every placement of mine, every school of mine that I've worked on, more than 10 schools in six years, was for a reason. Every person we meet, everything we see, there's a reason for everything. And the journey of life teaches us that we have to make the most of our journeys, make the most of our minutes of our days. Avraham, for example, you have to make the most of your minutes and your years. That's why it says What are you going to do with your journey of life? What will your life look like what will your journey be make sure when you think about the journey of your life when you think about your masse your travels that you could with confidence say yes i did a good travel yes i did as much as i could as a spouse around the house and in life to make my spouse's life easier yes i did as much as i could to be a good dad, to be a good mom, there for my kids. Yes, I did as much as I could to be a good neighbor, to be a good shul member, to be a good community member, to be giving back to those around us. We learn from Maasai to think about the journeys of life, to be involved in the journeys of life, and to make sure to have a good journey in life, having many, many mitzvahs, 
many, many chasadim and many, many good things done on a daily basis throughout the journeys of our life. Think about your journey. What is your journey in life? What is your journey of life to this point? And how can you make the most of your journey in life for the rest of your 120 years? We should be Zoha all to have so many years, so many wonderful journey of life years, excellent years where we make good things done through Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed in all of our days. This has been Tani Talks Parsha, the TTP. Join us next time where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep.